Good morning, good day, good evening, good night. Whatever time you're joining us again, thank you once again for being a part of this podcast, First Aid Basics. I'm your host, Jay. Today's podcast, like the respiratory one, will be broken into uh, different segments. Uh, Right now I'm thinking two, possibly three, depending on how deep I want to go with this particular topic. Um, Speaking of which, it's the cardiovascular uh, chapter or episode. If you haven't figured out, I do like to to work in a very logical, methodical um, teaching whenever I have classes. So we've already done airway, we've done breathing, so now we're going to do circulation, so the ABCs. This episode, um, we're going to talk about anatomical structures of the heart, some references to the blood vessels, so the arteries, the veins, the capillaries, um, in relations to first aid. We're going to talk about some risk factors of cardiovascular disease, what we can do about it, uh, how we can mitigate some of the uh, damages that can be caused from uh, cardiovascular diseases. Risk factors that are controllable and uncontrollable. Um, while I was doing research for this topic this week, um, a lot of what I get my research from, um, is a, uh, my instructor guide for the agency I teach with and B, well, B, uh, my, my paramedic textbook. It's a, it's a third edition or fourth editions of the Mosby's, uh, paramedic textbook. The, the reference for this, I don't want to go too deep because it's almost 200 pages of just the cardiology function of the paramedic training. And then there's the, uh, the hematology or the blood uh, section in itself. So, But I do find some inspiration for, okay, I want to talk about this, but I don't want to go too deep because it kind of goes way too off uh, of what a basic first aid knowledge should be. So um, we're, we're going to talk about cardiovascular disease, the um, electroconductive status of the heart in relation to what does it mean to me as a first aider, why am I talking about the uh, EKG and what its relations to uh, first aid. So we'll talk about the automated external defibrillator, how it works, why it works, when to use it, when not to use it. Um, get into some very, very light um, chemistry when it comes to the cardiovascular system. Very light, very breezy. Uh, don't worry about it if it doesn't make sense. Um, we're not trying to make you into doctors or, or paramedics. We just want to give you a good grasp of how to be a really good first aid person or a person in any first aid situation. We're not going to get into how to read EKGs, although I will talk a little bit uh, why they're so important and how I use those examples in teaching uh, my CPR and AED course. And we'll get into CPR as well, probably in segment two or three of this podcast. All right. All right, so let's go into some of the risk factors and we'll get that done and out of the way. Um and some of the cardiovascular diseases that uh, you may hear terms for and may have questions about. 
So risk factors. Um, let's talk about the uncontrollable ones, the ones we have no say in the matter. You have your family history. You have your your race, certain races um, are at higher risk. Your gender. Now, um, certain genders, male versus female, um, are higher or lower at risk for developing cardiovascular diseases. I do respect people who identify as non-binary, um, but when it comes down to the science of the cardiovascular disease, you need to take a look at um, the prominent uh, risk factors in your family. Those are some of the risk factors we can't control. Some of the ones we can control, um, given if this was a perfect world and money and resources were not an issue, then diet. We would definitely look at the diet as being something we can control. Uh, however, this isn't a perfect world, and not everyone has the monetary resources or the availability to buy uh, the fresh fruit or vegetables or the healthy meats. Um, so they um, do what they can, which is unfortunate. So in the diet situation, there are many diets out there that can help aid in reducing or mitigating your risk factors. I'm not endorsing any one particular diet over another diet. Um, one of my favorite diets that I like to consume myself is the Mediterranean diet. Uh, this is a very popular um, with uh, heart disease advocates because of the fresh fruit, fresh vegetables, the use of the olive oil. Um, all around a very good diet, a lot of fish. Um, I enjoy eating um, salmon as much as possible and other uh, fish, fresh fish as much as possible. Um, so the diet the brighter the fruit or the vegetables, they say the healthier it is. So, uh, exercise, getting a good amount of adequate exercise on a daily basis, if at all possible. Um, given the fact that some people uh, can't exercise due to physical limitations, and that's fair, uh, but there are other ways that you can get your metabolism going. If you can't go for a brisk walk or a jog or a swim, there's other means of doing some form of um, exercise just to get the, the heart pumping and the blood flowing, so to speak. Most research points out that um, healthy adults who are able to should be counting uh, at least 10,000 steps a day to maintain uh, a good exercise regime. When I worked just recently at a local hospital uh, as a licensed nurse, I was averaging 12 to 14,000 steps on a 12-hour shift, basically 1,000 steps an hour. And uh, I've since retired from nursing and have gone into a uh, more sedimentary job, and I find it a struggle to reach 8,000 steps. So um, we all need to take our part, do our part to be more physically active if our day-to-day -day jobs are not that physically demanding. Um, another way of cutting down on the risk factors, you have your diet and your exercise, uh, treatable conditions 
taking your medications regularly if you suffer from high blood pressure or hypertension. Um, if you have been diagnosed with diabetes, following your doctor or nurse practitioner's guidelines for diet, exercise, uh, any medications that you may be taking, those all help mitigate uh, future cardiovascular disease down the road. Um, it goes without saying that um, uh, tobacco use is, is not healthy for you. Uh, it's been well proven that the long-term effects of uh, tobacco use as detriment can be detrimental to the human body in one form or fashion. Okay. Alright, so that's some of your risk factors some that we can fix, some we can't fix. Uh, and if I think of any, I'll just pop it back in. All right, so moving on to the anatomy of the heart. The heart is in the center, kind of side, turn a slight angle just below your sternum or your chest bone, your breastbone. It's about the size of your fist, so if you closed up your fist and kind of um, laid it on top of your sternum with your thumb angulated just slightly, so you're, you're kind of moving your hand, uh, your wrist forward just a hair with that fist, your fingers in a fist, your hands in a fist, that's kind of where it sits. Um, we were talking between... around the third or the fourth intercostal space. So it doesn't stop working. From the time you are born to the time you take your last breath, it does not stop working. The average heart rate, uh, I discussed it in our primary and secondary survey, uh, the smaller the body, the faster the heart rate. So your newborns are gonna be 140 to 160 uh, and the, the, the more the person grows, the slower the heart rate will go down over time. For an adult, uh, it can be anywhere from 60 to 90 or 60 to 100, depending on what book you read. And the heart in itself is a muscle. And muscle has what's called memory. So in your younger years, or if you are young, you take care of your heart, you take care of your body, it won't forget that in your older years. So uh, I was very athletic uh, in the sense that I bicycled everywhere. Um, it was nothing to go 20 or 30 miles on the weekend uh, bicycling. And my, my thighs were pretty, pretty muscular, and they still are. And that helped out. Uh, when I turned 40 because I would still have a resting heart rate of in the 50s. So, which is very good for someone in their 40s to have a, a resting heart rate in their mid-50s. So, uh, now that I'm in my mid-50s, my heart rate is still very, um, paced very well there, but it's showing some signs of age as I get older. So, that, your pulse rate, part of your cardiovascular system. If you can imagine, or if you have access to a pen and paper, draw a square, just draw a regular square, then draw a line directly down the middle of that square, and then draw a horizontal line midway 
across that square. So you actually have four even pieces. This is uh, something I do in all my first aid classes to show uh, a very simple representation of the heart. Now, as you look at that paper with your pen in hand, what you would say would be your top left corner, which we call the right, and in, in, in anatomically speaking, um, and I mentioned that in previous episodes, is when we talk about the casualty or the patient, we're referring to their side of the body. So what you look at the paper as being the top left corner, I want you to write the letters R-A. Okay. And then on the to the right of that, you're going to write the letters L-A. And then going down below R-A, you're going to write R-V. And the last box, you're going to write L-V. And we're going to get into what all that means in just a moment. This square heart diagram I've used for many, many years, and I find unless you really need to know the different um, parts of the heart at a university level, then this is perfect for first aid. If you're taking nursing or uh, pre-med or just uh, any kind of anatomical at university or college level, then, then you do you. But for first aid, this is fine. So the RA stands for the right atrium. The uh, LA stands for the left atrium. And the RV, right ventricle, LV is left ventricle. The reason I divided it this way is so that you know that the top part of the heart is the atrium. And the bottom part of the heart is the ventricles. Inside of those, inside of those four chambers or different valves that move the blood from one chamber to another and then from that chamber to blood vessels that take it either to the lungs or back to the heart. Um, The right atrium and the right ventricle, their whole job is to take blood from the body, the deoxygenated blood from the body, pump it through the the, um, different valves It goes into the pulmonary vein, sorry, pulmonary artery, my apologies, and there's a reason for that. It goes into the pulmonary artery. That is the only artery that carries deoxygenated blood. Okay, and that'll take that to the lungs where it gets reoxygenated by the pulmonary vein, which is again, the only blood vessel called a vein that carries oxygenated blood to your left side of the heart. So that'll go through a series of valves as well. And the left atrium and the left ventricles, their whole job is to pump the fresh reoxygenated blood back out to the body. So if it's going by the left atrium or ventricle, so that'll be your, your aortic arch, um, your left and right uh, descending and ascending aortas or descending in... in um, ascending veins so they all have their own special names which we'll get to in time so the right side takes the old blood pumps it up through to the lungs brings it back to to the left side where from there from the left side it goes out to the bodies by blood vessels called arteries okay Uh, the reason that um, 
when you check someone's pulse, you're, that's an artery, whether it be in the neck or the wrist or in the babies would be between the elbow and the shoulder. So on the inside of the arm, those are arteries. That's what you're feeling. Every time you feel a pulse, you're feeling the, the, the pulsation of the blood moving. Um, and those arteries are crucial in doing proper assessments. If an artery gets severed, and we talk about wound care later down the road, um, and it's opened, the skin is open and these arteries have been cut, then they have a very distinct characteristic of a bright red, so that's the hemoglobin from the uh, oxygenated blood, and it's spurting because it's coming off the heart. So the arteries, that's how you differentiate between arterial bleed and a venous bleed, is the arterial bleed is bright red and spurting, where if a vein has been severed, it's darker, almost a burgundy color, it's flowing. So if you've ever had blood work done at a hospital or a clinic and they put the needle in your arm and they take these little special tubes, uh, these vacutainers that they're called, um, you, you'll notice that the blood is a little bit darker. The third type of bleeding, which we don't classify as being life-threatening in, in a general sense, is a capillary bleeding. So that'd be like a skin, knee, or if you nick yourself shaving. So there you have your three types of bleeding, your arterial, your venous, and your capillary. Another part of the anatomical structure I want to talk about while you still have your um, your pen and paper there with the, the, the four chambers of the heart. On the top right corner where the RA is, I want you to draw a circle. You can make like a period marker or dot or whatever. And then you're going to write the words SA node off to the side. That's the sinoatrial node. It's called the pacemaker. So it's the primary pacemaker of the heart. And this fires off electrical conductions at about 60 to 100 conductions a minute. What this does is our hearts are a lot like our, our breathing, our respiratory system, where it's an autonomic nervous system um, structure. So we can't make us, ourselves stop the heartbeat. It's, it's regulated. There's different... Uh, chemicals and nervous excitement that produces the, the heart to pump, our hearts pump off of electrical conduction. So this is why uh, when you're doing, if you have to do CPR on someone, getting a defibrillator is so imperative uh, because it's, uh, our hearts run off the electrical current, and an electrical current. So while you have that little um, mark in your upper right corner of your uh, RA, um, we're not going to get too deep into the other stuff, but just keep it simple. Draw a diagonal line to about where the the, the, the two um, RA and the RV meet. So right in the middle there. Just draw kind of a straight line down there. Make another dot in that area. Then off to the side, you're going to write AV node, atrioventricular node. The reason it's called the atrioventricular because it is in the that area where the uh, atrium and the ventricles meet. Um, there is, if you 
want to do more research on the human anatomy on the heart you'll see that when it's sliced in half uh, you can see that there's spaces in between the chambers and they all have different names and all that sub stuff and it's really neat it's really fun it's really interesting but the AV node that's a backup of the conduction system and it beats oh at about 40 to or not beats sorry it, it has electrical impulses at about 40 to 60 a minute then from there, you can draw um, two little lines starting at that AV node and go diagonally down again and then make a, a just like a, a, a J up the side of one of the uh, left ventricle and then a reverse J off the left uh, right ventricle. So you'll see, you're going to go straight down, you're going to make a little J on the left ventricle, you're going to make a reverse J on the right ventricle, and those are called the Purkinje fibers. Okay? And they do have some electrical excitability, not very much, maybe about 30 conductions a minute, thereabouts. Um, so this is how the heart beats. It's from the electrical conduction, it sends stimuli, there's a lot of chemistry involved with the heartbeat there's potassium there's calcium there's sodium it, it gets really really deep if, you, if you're interested in that um, that's why when someone um, is suspected of having a cardiovascular event the, um, the physician or the caregiver may order blood work so they're looking at potassium and sodium levels calcium levels as well as the EKG and uh, they're also looking for a certain enzyme that would show up if there was a uh, myocardial infarction or a heart attack. All right. Speaking of myocardial infarction, let's do uh, some medical terminology relevant to cardiovascular chapter. And I just mentioned the first one, myocardial infarction. I mentioned this in the midterm in uh, anatomy podcast episode. So myo meaning muscle, cardio meaning heart, and infarct can mean, um, I've read different uh, definitions of death or blockage, okay? Another one is angina, angina pectoris, which basically means pain in chest, okay? That's Latin. All of our medical terminologies are Latin-based. So another medical terminology you may hear regarding the heart is uh, hypertension. Hyper just means above normal. And it is talking about high blood pressure. High blood pressure is uh, known as the silent killer because it gives very little warning that your blood pressure is above normal thresholds. Some people may get a headache or may have double vision, but generally speaking, um, very little uh, signs or symptoms of high blood pressure. Um, some more medical terminology uh, regarding the heart and the blood vessels that I want to just kind of get out there. We've already discussed arteries, veins, and capillaries. Um, your blood is broken into different parts. Okay? And one of the first parts is uh, the plasma or the watery consistency, it looks like water. Um, so the plasma makes up a good majority of your blood. If you were to look at your blood 
uh, sitting in like a glass tube and it settles, uh, the first thing you're going to see looking at the top is going to be this plasma. And then the second part is very small percentage is the platelets and that helps with clotting factors and, and if you get cuts and such as that and healing and the bottom part the dark red that is your red blood cells your rbcs and those are broken into subparts and subparts of subparts and etc um, but just wanted to let you know that each one of those um, parts of your blood have a special job they do special things. So the red blood cells carry hemoglobin, which is the oxygen. It binds to the red blood cells. If you were to look at a donut that didn't quite have the hole punched out of it, so you still had a bit of dough in that spot, that's almost what a red blood cell looks like. Okay. Um, there are lots of medical conditions that are blood related uh, there are cancers there's medical conditions none of which we in a first aid pre-hospital setting can fix uh, unless they're bleeding then we can we can control their bleeding the other aspects of the cardiovascular system I want to uh, make known um, so when I was speaking of the SA and the AV and the Purkinje fibers, and I said those are all conduction related and that our hearts work off of a conduction system. If someone goes into cardiac arrest and you're doing CPR on them, one of the first things you should be asking for besides calling for 911 or your local EMS is an automated external defibrillator or AED for short. AEDs have been around 50-odd oh, years at least. Um, and when they were first developed, this was a physician's-only toy because nobody else was smart enough to know how to use one or read, read the machine. And as the years have progressed, uh, it went from uh, being only used in hospital settings by all these fancy doctors and then um, in pre-hospital settings, Paramedicine is a young career in itself. It's not even uh, it's not even 60 years old yet as, as a formal education and as a formal career path. But I do remember as a child watching a TV show called Emergency. I just dated myself. Um, and I always thought that was fascinating. That's one of the reasons I got into being a paramedic was because of the, that TV show. Uh, you would see them and they would put this jelly stuff on and they'd say clear and they do everything. Well, when you're giving, um, using an AED now in, in the 21st century, these AEDs, the pads, the machines, they tell you everything to do. They do all the work for you. So you don't need to know how to read the machine. All you have to do is listen to the prompts, do what it says, listen to what it says and do what it tells you to do exactly how it tells you to do it some are fancy some are more elaborate the ones you're going to find like in hockey arenas or at the airports they're very basic they're going to be open it up listen to the machine do what it tells you to do um, these new ones 
these newer ones as opposed to the ones from 40 years ago or 30 years ago. They're what's called biphasic. So once the pads are in place, you're getting an electrical current from both sides as opposed to the older ones where they were only going down one way, okay, as monophasic. So with these new machines, they are looking for certain rhythms. Okay? And I told you at the beginning, I'm not going to teach you rhythm interpretation. That is a way advanced course. I don't even teach that to the uh, advanced first, first aid people because they don't have access to um, reading, uh, a def- reading an EKG monitor. So it's not really... Um, worth their time to learn that but do know that the machine it looks for two looks it hunts for two different cardiac rhythms because uh, they there can be anywhere from you know 30 plus cardiac rhythms Um, and I know this from experience as as a paramedic student they just give us a, a blank piece of paper with all these rhythms and said answer it so this machine cuts out the guesswork. It looks for either ventricular fibrillation or ventricular tachycardia. That's all it's looking for. Uh, now that being said, if the machine says no shock advised, check pulse, continue CPR if no pulse, doesn't mean that they are necessarily quote unquote dead. It just means it's that that person's heart is in a non-shockable rhythm. Okay. And there's lots of reasons why they can be in that. But your role as a first aider is to do the CPR while uh, making sure the EMS has been called, making sure the AED is available. So that is your role is just to do the CPR. And again, going back to the precautions of COVID, um, If you just want to do chest compressions without mouth-to-mouth, that is completely fine. That really is. For those of you who have higher training and have access to either face shields or bag valve mask, I would definitely encourage the use of a BVM if you have it available. If you also have available to you um, oxygen, please give them the oxygen. Um, Follow your local protocols for COVID. I... uh, This podcast is not meant to supersede any protocols in this time of COVID. So in this past hour, or sorry, half hour, we have covered a lot of ground in the cardiovascular system for anatomy, cardiovascular diseases, uh, some of the basic diseases, um, some of the risk factors, and as the next probably two and three podcast start uh, we'll get into a little bit more of the um, disease functions uh, and what to look for signs and symptoms of a cardiovascular incident we even get into the signs and symptoms of a heart attack today or the differences between a heart attack angina and cardiac arrest so that's going to be the next podcast and I look forward to bringing the second episode of this podcast to you sometime in the next three to four days, depending on my schedule and my availability to commit to this podcast for this episode. But again, thank you very much for joining me in um, First Aid Basics. 
if you have any questions you want to reach out, uh, please feel free to email me, uh, scrubsmagic at gmail.com. I wasn't sure if that was in the first podcast through Anchor, but uh, doing some research, no, it's not. I'm working on a Twitter account. That would be First Aid Basics. Um, Right now, the Twitter account is called First Aid Basics. Okay, and you're going to see FAB with a bunch of numbers behind it. Um, feel free to list to subscribe to that if you're into Twitter. Um, I won't be relaying any podcast from there necessarily in the same time it's being published. Um, I may just refer you back to to uh, to your local uh, podcast where you get this podcast from. I'm all over Spotify. There's uh, through Google Podcasts. There's through Apple Podcasts. So there's different venues to reach this podcast through. Uh, I am grateful that Anchor, who is the uh, podcast provider, is allowing this uh, to be made. And uh, so there, there you go. You have a great day.